0: stick to football we are live again from the nfl scouting combine in indianapolis and it's gonna be good we have matt bowen stopping by a former colleague of mine who's now at espn he works on the nfl matchup show he coaches high school football he's also the most intense man i've ever hung out with so we're gonna have his phone matt bowen talking about a great article that he dropped on wednesday morning but guys the the story that everyone is talking about as we sit here at the combine sitting here on radio row is the Tua Tagovailoa medical check, which happened, his physical happened yesterday. Ian Rappaport opened the day, basically, by, by tweeting that the medical check looked good. Once again, they're optimistic. And for Tua, this is now every step throughout this process since the injury has been positive. We can go back to early January, when he met with the doctors in New York. Then he declared for the draft the... Medical check after that looked good. Now the medical check here in Indianapolis, and this was a big one. This was the one where we needed to see where the hip was at. Everything looks good. So all throughout the process, Tua has been checking all the boxes, looks healthy. Now there is a debate happening in Indianapolis, happening on Twitter. With a healthy Tua, is he the best quarterback in this draft, or is it still Joe Burrow? Heisman Trophy winning quarterback through 60 touchdowns this year, ran for five more, an undefeated season for the. LSU national champions. To me, there is no debate. Joe Burrow was my top quarterback in this class before Tua got hurt. Sitting in Tuscaloosa, Alabama for the LSU-Alabama game, that was the moment that Joe Burrow became the top quarterback in this class for me. And really, it it was close, but it was definitive. Burrow's ability to make plays off-platform, we're going to talk to Matt Bowen about that. His poise, his field vision, his accuracy, the way he plays point guard for that offense is super important. Now for Tua... Uh, The the talk here at the combine, you, you talk to everyone in the NFL. I have not found a person who actually believes that Tua is a better quarterback prospect than Joe Burrow. He is a little bit smaller. He has significant injury history, not just the hip guys, but two ankle injuries as well. We've talked a lot about that on this show. That's reason for concern. You also have a guy who is he's a little bit over six foot tall, and I know the NFL has been a little more okay with that with Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield, but still a bit of a concern. And I think when you get down to it, what Burrow was able to do this year in a pro-style offense with Joe Brady coming from the New Orleans Saints, that answered a lot of questions. So you talk to people in the NFL, it's Joe Burrow, quarterback one, Tua tonga quarterback two, and then Justin Herbert is quarterback three. It really feels solidified that that is the order these quarterbacks will come off the board. Now, it was also uh, in, actually in a press conference, Redskins head coach Ron Rivera said that they're going to bring in Joe Burrow and Tua tonga for official visits They own the number two pick in the draft. They took Dwayne Haskins last year. But we have seen in the past where the Arizona Cardinals last year, they had Josh Rosen, who was the number 10 pick in the 2018 draft. They still took Kyler Murray first overall last year, and they traded Josh Rosen. So there is a little bit of a precedent for a new coach coming in and wanting to pick his quarterback. The Redskins, they say they're doing their due diligence. This is more than doing their due diligence, excuse me, that all options are on the table. Guys, to me, the Redskins are going to draft Chase Young. But they're being smart about this. They understand that a healthy Tua is a very, very valuable piece in this draft class. So if you're the Washington Redskins and you can entice the Miami Dolphins to trade up, if you can entice the Detroit Lions to maybe trade up, you have to do it. And I think that's what we're seeing from head coach Ron Rivera, who's really running the show there in Washington, is a team that is trying to drive up the value of that number two pick in the draft. The quarterbacks here are all the buzz when we talk about the rookies, but it's also the free agent class. We have to remember Tom Brady's free agent, Dak Prescott, Phillip Rivers, Jameis Winston, Teddy Bridgewater, Marcus Mariota, Ryan Tannehill. A lot of free agent quarterbacks this year. One thing that I'm continuing to hear, and I know we've talked about this on previous episodes of Sixth Football, is that the Indianapolis Colts seem to be the favorite, at least, to land Phillip Rivers in a move. It would be a one- or two-year deal. Bring him in. And then I think there is a belief that they could draft a quarterback to learn and develop under Rivers, whether that's this year or next. So I think those options are definitely on the table for the Colts, who they do have Jacoby Brissett, uh, a little bit expensive. I know Melo talked about that on the Friday show, but they they can fit this. They have like $93 million in cap space. They can make this happen. Now, again, on the quarterbacks, this is something that has been bothering me, and I want to talk about this. Jalen Hurts, I don't know where this... People say, oh, there's speculation that, okay, like is he going to work out at other positions? Why would he work out at other positions? He's never played another position. I also don't even think he's athletic enough to talk about him playing another position. He's not you know, he's not as twitchy as a receiver. He doesn't have the burst to play that position. Even if it were running back or safety. It's just, he's a quarterback. Quarterback at Alabama, quarterback to Oklahoma. This guy, every time he started, his team made the playoffs. College football. I don't know why there was a need to for there wasn't a need for Jalen Hurts to say, "Hey, I'm not I'm not working out at other positions. I'm a quarterback." It actually came out no NFL team asked him to work out at other positions. So I don't want to. I don't want to call out any of our fellow media members. And I honestly don't even know where this started. I don't know where this originated. That oh maybe Jalen Hurts is going to work out at another position. He's not going to. And I, I just don't. I don't know where this is coming from. I don't even know who is speculating about Jalen Hurts working out at anything other than quarterback. Now I, everyone knows. I think where I stand on him as a developmental type quarterback. But someone that you can get on the field right away So as a rookie in Wildcat packages, in a lot of the same things we saw Taysom Hill do. And you're still developing him as a quarterback while letting him do those things on the field right away as let him plan some goal line, let him plan some short yardage situations, find a way to get the football in his hands as a thrower, as a runner. I think Jalen Hurts can play quarterback in the NFL. Now, a player who is uh, going to be changing position, or at least doing drills in another position here, is Chase Claypool. And this is something I tweeted about on Monday. There's a lot of speculation that he was going to be asked to move to tight end. He weighed in at almost 240 pounds, 238 pounds. So I think this is a good move for him. To show that not only is he, you know, he's team first. We know this about Chase Claypool. He dominated on special teams at Notre Dame. But that he's the kind of guy that is willing to do whatever the team needs him to do. If that means play flex tight end, he's going to do it. If it means play outside receiver, he's going to do it. I think Claypool in round three is a really interesting option for teams that need a red zone threat. You need somebody who can get big in the red zone. We've talked about the Chiefs. They need that. They need somebody who can get big. They have a little bit of a smaller, fast wide receiver core. You need a power forward. You know, There used to be a saying, you want to build your receiver room like a basketball team. Well, you got your, you got your point guard in Tyreek Hill. You got your shooting guard in Miko Hardman. You got a small forward in Sammy Watkins. Now you need a big body. You need somebody who can get in the red zone when things get tight and make plays, and that can be Chase Claypool for a team like Kansas City. Again, I think he's a round three type player. Let's take a break here from Indianapolis. We come back around. Matt Bowen stopping by to talk about his article, how he's going to change the combine for quarterbacks. We're talking about high school football. We're talking about uh, our old days at BR together. We'll be back right after this. So, guys, we are joined by one of my favorite people in the entire football industry, one of my best friends in the industry, Matt Bowen, who used to be with us at BR. I did. Now, killing it over ESPN. Uh, we're lucky to get you on. We've been doing the show for three years. So we finally get you on, and so uh, so thanks for stopping by here. Well, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, anything for you. You know, right man. there we go. And the, a lot of Bud Lights have been shared between the two of us over yes, the years. But uh, you had a really cool article come out uh, this morning, Wednesday morning, about how we should reimagine the combine for quarterbacks, and it's it's a unique article because it's not just you pounding out three thousand words. There's a cool video element to mm-hmm. it where, and you can speak to that. But everything that went into this article is is really impressive visually, but. First and foremost, the importance of changing this event to where we're actually able to evaluate the quarterbacks.
1: Yeah, and you're starting to see that in general. Uh, just this year at the Combine, there's going to be new events. Now, throwing a fade route, uh, you know, I don't think that right. tells us enough, yep. obviously. And I, but I do. I give the league credit for thinking outside the box a little bit and trying some new things. What we did is said, okay, look at the quarterbacks right now, the modern quarterback traits. Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers still has it, Dak, Deshaun how they can get outside the pocket and create when things go south because things are going to go south. And what you see at the combine is just static platform throws. Nothing's going south. So what I did is I went back and watched Josh Allen's workout from the combine. Okay, you're talking about a guy who is 6'5", has all the athletic traits in the world, has the big arm, has the movement skills. You don't see it. You see three- and five-step drops, throw a quick out. I yeah. know we could throw a quick out twice yeah, here. That's why he's the top 10 Launch at 70 yards down the field. Right, and you saw five, that with with, with with Allen in his workout. When they're running the deep post corner, he's sitting there waiting for it. I'm waiting, I'm waiting. Okay, now I can unleash the ball. But, again, we know you can do that. Every quarterback that comes here, and you'll see it this year, obviously Burrow is not going to throw, Tua is not going to throw, but Love, especially Easton, we, yeah. look, they have the tools, they have the traits. That's why they're invited to, to the NFL Combine. So I said let's take these quarterbacks that we just discussed, the pro guys, and look at how they move, how they create. And where that came from was the high school game where I coach. You know, I coached at IC Catholic Prep. You knew I was yeah, going to say yeah, that. I
0: know. you got to plug the program. i got to plug you the program.
1: So I coach at IC Catholic Prep. It's outside of Chicago and Elmhurst. And how we train our quarterbacks. Because, look, that's where it starts. I mean, yeah. that, where do you think Patrick Mahomes started? At the high school level, right? This is where the, the young players start. And how much they have to move. Now, granted, in the high school game right now, more spread-based offenses. I get it. But it yeah. doesn't matter. If you're playing in a two-back one tight end, two wide receiver offense. Doesn't mean you're going to be thrown from the pocket every time. Yeah, you're still getting outside the pocket. You're right. still making plays on the move. And I think Mahomes is a great example. And obviously you can't teach some of the stuff Patrick Mahomes has. You can't take a 15-year-old quarterback and say, I want to make you Patrick Mahomes. Right. Yeah. You're not going to do it. No. Okay? Because he has natural traits, that you, some, some stuff that cannot be taught. But you can teach him in terms of his movement, his creativity, his ability to feel pressure, eject out of the that pocket. Way. Yes. And to think that I can—I don't just have to take a five-step drop. I have the
0: flexibility, the freedom to move around, to right. throw across my body. That's the biggest one. Never
1: do it. That's the biggest we one. You always told, never throw across your body. Well, you see, never I ran a high school it. option offense in 1994. <laughs> don't pitch West. across your body. That's probably the rule. We ran inside and outside beer, and we had two plays. It was buck trap 25 waggle pass and 32 read pass. And I remember times I wanted to throw across my body. My coaches would not, not be happy with that. Right. you get benched. But, but you have to now. Okay, look, you look at the Kansas City offense. I mean, that's kind of the standard right now Super so Bowl champions. All the speed they have at offense, the three by one sets. You got a lot of crossers, a lot of deep over-outs. And a deep over is basically a crosser that extends a deeper down the field. The wasp play that yeah. everyone talks about. Yeah. How many times have you seen Patrick Mahomes roll to his left, throw back to his right, and throw a dime and, yep. put, and put heat on the football? Okay, so you have to be able to do those things. And the idea behind this was, let's start. And Greg Holcomb is a quarterback coach who works in Chicago, uh, a company called Next Level Athletics. And I talked with Greg. I said, okay, give me your five best drills that show me how you're training quarterbacks. Outside, look, what I'm saying with this this piece is we're not getting rid of the three- and five-step drops and throw the dig, throw the seam. I want to see that stuff. But I also want to take it a step further. So that's where it started, and then it ended up in Hollywood. Okay, so it was a unique experience for me. I was out there in a Hollywood set, and we had former college players who are now actors, okay? And the quarterback we had was originally at the University of Washington, finished his career at Liberty University, multiple-sport athlete, played football and baseball in college, and he had all the movement traits. So we, we, we got to be able to simulate that using... You know, almost like a movie set type of experience to show the game of football. And I thought it turned out it was really unique. Well, and not just reading it, it was cool to see it. And right. I, it's know, like, it was, a over, yeah, like a movie, Yeah, I mean, d- Digital is. movie.
0: Right. And so to have that, because you know, some people learn by watching, some people right. learn by reading, and you you get a little bit of both in that. How like you were talking about arm strength, and I wanted to ask you this. You played defensive back in the NFL for eight years, right? Seven. Seven years. I was close. I'll you take the extra year. I'll take the extra year, for sure. And uh so back then, and even when I started scouting and we were working together, it was arm strength wasn't like the end all be all. You mm-hmm. know, it was like, well, you gotta be accurate first, and I still believe that. But I think arm strength is becoming more important because of guys like Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now, outside outside of Deshaun Watson, all have strong arms. Right. So from your study of the league, does
1: it seem like that trend is kind of switching back? Oh, well, I don't know if it's switching back because I go back to my career and a guy like Drew Bledsoe. I mean, when you played against Drew, and this is when he was later in his career in the Dallas Cowboys, you had to get back. If you're playing covered, two, you better not start at 15. You better get to 18 because he'll throw it over your head and he'll throw it on a line. Yeah. So there's different quarterbacks you have to adapt to. And then when Michael Vick came in the league, obviously the, you know, the game plan shifted. When Michael Vick had that arm talent to push the ball all three levels, and especially went to the third level, he could take a shot. Yeah. You know, so if if a wide receiver, you think he's got it covered, ball's still coming. So you can put it over the top of your head. Do I think it's coming back? I think to a certain extent is, but you have a guy like Burrow. Tua. I, yeah. I, Burrow and Tua don't have elite arm talent. No, In not my at opinion. All. When you're watching the film, you know this. I'm not telling you something you don't know. They're more anticipatory throwers, touch throwers, accuracy ball placement, like a Drew Brees. Yeah. Uh, a- Kurt, Andrew Luck was that way. Yeah. Kurt Warner I played with in yeah. my career for the St. Louis Rams. Kurt Warner did not have massive arms talent. Kurt Warner's in the Hall of Fame because he can put it wherever you wanted him to. Right. right. And he can understand where it's supposed to be and anticipate that window opening up. So... Some of the throws, yeah, you, there's some throws that you saw from Josh Allen this year in Buffalo. I I, I remember looking at the film game against Miami, uh, the game against the Giants. Second reaction ability—that's something also with this piece. The ability to make plays. Some people say off schedule. I say second reaction. Yeah, You're a quick game—they take away their first read. What are you going to do?
0: Yeah, can't sit there anymore. Right, you can't like. I think Jared Goff has some trouble with that. You know, they Great take point. it away. He could not get to his secondary reads or he couldn't react off of the
1: script. And I think that's why we see him struggle. Yeah. What Jared Goff, we saw this year on matchup show is when you put heat on him, you force him to move off the spot and force him to reset. That's where he struggles. Just go back to the year. They went to the Super Bowl two years ago when he's throwing on a rhythm, then he is the anticipatory throw seven on seven. Yeah. It's easy. He, he, he will dice you up. Yeah. So you have to make a move, right? And that's why, again, going back to the idea behind this piece, the movement traits, uh, in my opinion, are so important. And I think also offensive line play has been down in the NFL. And you know this. Yeah. From scouting? I mean, offensive line play is down. That's why you're seeing more RPOs. That's why you're seeing more quick game. That's why defenses, not to change the discussion, we were talking about Byron Jones before the show, mm-hmm. why he's going to be so valuable in free agency. You need guys to play man coverage. That's where the league is, more quick passing. Right? Yeah. More RPO, more middle-of-the-field play action. But when teams take that away, when you have a Byron Jones, when you draft Jeffrey Okuda yeah. and put him in your lineup, you got to be able to move. got to be able to move off that spot and create and keep plays alive.
0: And that goes right into what I think makes Joe Burrow so special. Like you said, he doesn't have the best arm. Right. But what blew me away this year, I saw him play live four times his ability to do that, like when mm-hmm. the play breaks down or when he gets pressured, their offensive line was not as good as some people thought. When he would get pressured, his ability to move around, keep his eyes down the field and look for look for Jamar Chase going over the right. top, you know, breaking mm-hmm. off his route. Look for you know Thaddeus Moss over the middle. Or Jefferson. Right, or Jefferson. I mean, they were loaded, but Burrow
1: as the point guard of that offense was so special. No, he was, and it started, I know you're a Texas guy, I'm sorry, Yeah. I it know started it is, yeah. the Texas game, that third and seven, was a third and third seven, 17. 17? Yeah. That, it, it if you want to watch a quarterback, you know, we Matt and I use terms all the time, like a muddy pocket. Someone not, mm-hmm. might not understand what that means. That means there's bodies all around you. It's chaos. In that situation, Joe Burrow had nowhere to move. He found a, a place to climb in the pocket, slide in the pocket, and throw a dime to Jefferson on a deep over route that sealed the game and really kind of catapulted his season four, you know, making those plays in that Texas game. But that's what he does. You can turn on the film every week. It's not just his movement outside the pocket. It's his movement inside the pocket. So, like Tom Brady, Tom Brady and Brady don't have They're to masters. be fast.
0: You just climb the pocket and make plays. We were in Austin for that game, and I, I looked at Mello and said, "That kid's going the first round." Really? And that's when it started. That, that's when the the climb for me started with Burrow too. It was you know first time I'd seen him. Second time I'd seen him in person. We saw him as Georgia the year before. and
1: She's like, guys aren't supposed to be able to do that. Like that's you can't teach that. No, think about this. It, and we we run into this discussion all the time because you have guys that are from non power 5 schools or you know 1AA or uh, whatever it's called now what is it, FCS yeah FCS, FCS. yeah and even D2 guys and you said the level of competition Joe Burrow started with Texas when well, they played Auburn they played Alabama right. they played Oklahoma they played Clemson played Florida played yep give me a better lineup right Georgia i mean yeah, yeah. he in Georgia played in them in the SEC championship yeah. so were they still like 70 points and and he produced against each, every one of them yep so eventually you got to look like we're talking about here you're gonna look at the traits first did the traits transition to the nfl level yes they do with joe Burrow. again not doesn't have the josh allen arm but again he just makes plays right. when are you finally going to say that you're watching film you know what you can put I the pin him. down yeah. and just say he's good
0: like he makes plays right? i
1: want him i want exactly. him on my team because i can develop him within my offense and my system you think he's the best quarterback in this class i do and i understand the discussion with tua but for me it's Burrow. It, it, that's just the best way I can say it. No, there's nothing against Tua. Right. Or, you know, he's Tua, a good quarterback. He's a very good quarterback. He's going to be a top-ten quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it's It's Just through the things we talked about, the traits, the schedule he played this year, the production he had, and doing it every week. It's one thing to, to – have a good game. Look, I had a game in the NFL one time that was good, okay? Not many people remember. Who was it was, it? it? was one game against Tampa, right? So you can have a good game, right? But to do it every week in the SEC and then the college football playoff and then the non-conference versus Texas, you're not going to get much better. What I always tease you about, you were the guy picked right after
0: Tom Brady. No, right before. Right before well, Tom Brady. Right, Right before. Right before. One ninety eight. Mr. One ninety eight. That's amazing. That's you, what I tell people at holiday parties to get a discussion right. on. That, you have the best icebreaker ever. When you go to those <laughs> high school, you know, kids houses in Chicago, is that what you open with? Is you know, I was the guy picked right before Tom Brady. That's no, how good no, but, I am football. But that
1: is something that it I will never leave. That's what people talk about. Right. No, yeah. it's, it's not a bad place I would to much be. rather say, you know, that's Matt Bowling with the four Pro Bowls and just two Super Bowl brandies. Look, I'm not gonna lie, but I'll <laughs> right. take the Brady thing. Yeah, I mean you yeah, you, you
0: had your seven years. You were you were a good player. You went through this yeah, combine uh, a while ago. Twenty years. How is it exactly yeah. twenty now? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. How different is it now? Totally I mean, different. So even you've been covering it for the media for probably ten, at least ten, and uh, that's how long I've been here. Coming here, it's completely different. I can't imagine how different it was twenty years ago.
1: Well, twenty years ago, we stayed in the hotel, which is the train station. You know, the <laughs> the uh, Crown Plot Center or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's where we stayed. And you would walk out of a meeting or whatever. There'd be like five media members there. Yeah, Live. it's like Peter King. Yeah, and- the you know yeah. the top guys. Yeah, writing about the combine, but not like this. You know, radio row. Uh, you doing your podcast here? <laughs> I mean, it wasn't like that. There was no J W Marriott at the time, right? Oh yeah, so, that's that's the, the Super, Super Bowl. Bowl. And well, one thing we ran the old RCA Dome, the Hoosier Dome, and a lot of guys didn't run back then because it was old AstroTurf, and you ran in the sideline. You didn't run on the field. You ran the sideline, so it was real spongy, almost like a bounce to it. Yeah. Um, so you so, can't dig in. No, for, for people, people who cleats. don't know, yeah, you can't dig in. There's no any, cleats. Any grip, yeah. So I went out and found, like, I went to, like, a running store and found, like, some, some racing flats. <laughs> I brought two pairs. One had spikes on them. I said, no way, you're wearing those. So I could, and I had to change my shoes. Um, and then I wore all the flats. And you the, the great point you brought up is, no cleats. You can't dig in, right? Right. And that's why these times are so great now, because they're, they're real times. You're running on field turf. You're you, you getting down sur- in a sprinter stand. Yeah, it's a great surface. Yeah. So, back then, like, the top players, I remember from my class, they just didn't run. They didn't work out here. What'd you run here? I ran four four nine. would you run at your pro day? Or did you run again? Or did oh, you yes, I did. say? Oh, yeah. Okay. okay, so the reason I ran at my pro day, okay, back then, Iowa had a bubble, okay? Now they have a brand-new indoor facility under Coach Ferentz, and... We had a bubble. So the year before in the summer, there was like a tornado north of I-80. And it ripped the bubble off. It like blew down the street. <laughs> So that turf sat out in the sun all summer and baked. Oh, it was concrete. Yeah, it was concrete. It was just hard. It was hard, man. It was really hard. Like, you would explode off the turf. So, of course, I ran. I yeah. ran in the high 4.3s at home. It was not a real time. Though. It was not right. a real four three because I had the tornado in the sun to work with me. Right. Um, but, it, look, it's much easier to run at home. Your strength coach warms you up. Yep. You dress in your own locker room. You warm up with your teammates. Look, if I'm a quarterback, I, I want to be here to compete, but I can't wait to get back to my pro. I throw to my own receivers. Oh, if you're Joe Burrow, you go throw to that crew? Yeah. Yeah. You... And, and just even the DB drills, you're doing them with your teammates. There's just such a uh, much more comfortable feel. And how the combine was different back then, we had the sidebacks leg test, okay, where you just anyone who's been to a gym, it's a leg extension. You just do it until you, you feel like you're going to throw up. That's basically it. How long can you do it for? How yeah. much power can you generate? You did it the day before you ran. Oh, God. So your legs are gassed. So you woke up the next morning. You were sore. You were very sore. By the time I got done with the combine, I think it was a couple things. One, the stress, obviously, uh, the environment, um, the work you do, uh, the written testing, you know, talking with coaches, and then actually working out in the field and then finishing finishing that 60-yard shuttle. You're gassed. Feel like you played the game. You feel like you played a game. Your body is basically shut down, and then you
0: get on a bus and you go to the airport. You get a bus go to the airport. You don't like go back to your hotel room and sleep and rest. get, you out get here.
1: you're gone. You're gone. That's why I'm I'm curious to see what this year looks like because you're doing all that at night now. You brought a, you tweeted that last week. Yeah, or maybe earlier this week, and I thought it was a great tweet and a great example of if I'm a top agent right now and I'm representing. The Chase Young, who's not running this week, right? Do so I want him to run in a new environment, a new testing environment that no one's ever done before? The times gonna be the same, because people say, "Oh, the times don't matter." They do matter. They do. Now why are we doing? They it? absolutely matter. Yeah. What are we doing here? Of course, they matter. Yeah, everything matters here. Everything matters. So, I thought it was a great tweet. I thought it was a great example of if the combine, well, to see if it works. You know, because look, man, if this doesn't work, and we don't know yet who's going to run really and who's not, if more guys drop out, you got an issue. It doesn't matter what time you put it on TV if you don't have good players working out.
0: You got to have. I think it. my, and I'm, I'm surprised the league hasn't put a little pressure mm-hmm. on players. And maybe,
1: they, maybe they, they have. To right. say,
0: hey, we need we need Chase Young.
1: We well, need- look, if I'm a fan, I want to see Joe Burrow throw it too. Oh, right, yeah. That's why I'm, that's what I want to see. He's number one pick in the draft. Yeah, no probably.
0: disrespect to Justin Herbert and no, Baker, no, have not good arms. But no, but
1: Joe Burrow is expected to be number one. Pick the in the draft. yeah, you know who he is. He won that championship. Right. Chase Young played in the college football playoffs. I want to see these guys compete, and this is what it's about. I mean, it, everything here is a job interview. That's the way I looked at it as a player. That's the way I describe it to people now, because you're constantly monitored in just how you how you talk, how you dress what you do at team, uh, not team meals, but at the meals, Yeah, you're always being evaluated. Every day is an interview here. Every step of the process is an interview. So it is a grind. And you're going to, like I said, you're going to run better at home. All right? But if I'm a scout, I know that. So I want to see you run in the most competitive environment possible, and this is what this provides. And you're probably
0: adjusting as an evaluator for guys who are at home. It's a different time, different surface. I actually have already heard a story of one player who walked into a meeting and, like, wouldn't get off his phone. That's a problem. That's, like, yeah, if like you do that in English there.
1: class, that's a problem because <laughs> right. your teachers didn't get on right. you. You do that at, at our football program at IC and coming to team meeting with the phone, that's a problem. Right? So if you do that here, what are you telling people? You're basically saying don't draft me to yeah. that team. That's what you're hey, look, what people don't understand is no different than if you go into an interview at IBM and you're on your phone with the CEO of the company. Well, not I mean, a great look. It's not a great look. This is all about professionalism. That's all what this is about. Show Because you're going to be a professional athlete now. Yeah, no, that's fun, man. Thank you for stopping by, man. That was fun.
0: Yeah, it's good it. to finally catch up. Uh, ICC football. How many state championships you guys won now? in We've your won time three. There?
1: One, three. Mm-hmm. Uh, Two in a row. One right? three in a row. Okay. Um, 2016, 17, and eighteen. And then last year we got beat by a great Richmond Burton team. Give them credit; they beat us. You're Straight putting up. a lot of kids into college football programs, though. I see, yeah, I think see you know. I think we're doing a great job because uh, you know the college football landscape so deep. You know, you got Division One football, one double A, 2 the great D3 schools in the Midwest. Yeah. Also NAIA football gives great financial aid, great opportunity for kids to go play football and to further education by getting that financial aid. So I've learned a lot about the recruiting process, especially the lower levels and how good, you know, people look at like D3 football. Well, D three football. I don't know. It was on ESPN the national championship. North Central College, which has been Naperville, close to us, Naperville, Illinois. Those kids can play, man, and they're big up front and they can yeah. move. There's good football at all three levels. It's great football. Yeah, I mean we are. We have D two where we live. Right. it's like you have some D two powerhouses.
0: Still good football. Still
1: There's D two kids that come to the national. Football league combine. Oh yeah, right? out. Yeah. Uh, they're gonna find talent. Kyle Duggar's here, yeah. Lenore Ryan. Don't even know find, where that is. They're gonna find talent, man. Last year they had a defensive back from Dubuque couch. He's at the Senior yep. bowl That's right. So and that's division three football. The, if you have talent, they'll find you. But I tell our kids and any kids in the area is if you want to play football, there's a there's a place for you. All right, because playing college football is a great experience, get a great education, teammates for life. Um I think we've done a great job of that at IC Catholic.
0: Awesome. Thank you again. Follow this man at Matt Bowen41. You won't regret it. He makes me smarter every day on Twitter. Oh, come on. All right. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. Thanks again to our guy, Matt Bowen, for stopping by and talking to some NFL Combine, all the things that need changed. And it has actually been a little bit of a quiet day here Wednesday. Uh, they're doing the bench press behind us right now. The wide receivers are over there benching right now. Uh, the running backs are talking to the media. So it's a little bit of a slow day. I want to close out the show today with a couple draft on draft questions. We don't want to leave you guys at home or those of you watching on YouTube. We don't want to leave you out. So let's start here. Scott Grimes asks Should the Eagles look to shop their first rounder for a star receiver, maybe OBJ or Stephon Diggs? Now, like Scott, I actually think it's a pretty good idea because you're picking at number 21. Overall, we don't know what receiver is going to be on the board, and I actually think you could probably get some of these guys for less than a first rounder. So the idea of the Eagles being aggressive to go get a top receiver that really does intrigue me a lot because again, this is a huge need for them. I mean, uh, they—I know they've said that Alshon's going to be back, but I think this—it's still a, like the biggest area. Like, what's different about the Eagles this year it was the injuries, what they couldn't get done from the wide receiver position. I think the only issue you ran into with this is. How much cap space does this team have? Right now they sit at about forty five million dollars, but you gotta re sign your own guys. You gotta save some money for rookies. So I think in theory this works. You probably wanna look at if you can get a guy on a rookie deal, that would obviously better be better, but moving some draft picks in order to get uh, a wide receiver. I actually love that for the Eagles, and I'm a little jealous that we hadn't thought about it first, so it's a a killer question. Griff Kong asked, looking at the success of the NFL's current best pass rushers, couldn't you argue that A.J. Epinesa has the better traits to succeed than Caleb on chase on? Epinesa's power and move seems like a better fit for the NFL. So I think with this question, it goes down to what type of defense are we running? Because I think Epinesa... And these two players, I know they're listed at the same position. They almost play different positions because is going to play outside the tackle. He's going to use quickness and bend to get to the backfield. is probably going to play mostly on the tackle. So these are almost like the kind of guys you would want to complement each other as pass rushers. And again, I think it goes to the type of defense you're going to run. There are going to be schemes where you want Chason's speed. And I think one thing to your point here is the best pass rushers in the NFL, in my opinion right now, are kind of the quick – guys who have power, obviously, but they're able to win with that first-step quickness. And, and I think you're going to look at like what Frank Clark did in the Super Bowl, what Nick Bosa did in the Super Bowl. Those are your prototypical guys. They're both like 260 p- pounds. They have power, but they have speed. And that's what we're looking – like, that's why Chase Young is so special because that ability to convert speed to power, to beat people both ways. Nick Bosa with that inside move, with the swim move, but he can still beat you and set you up on the outside. Like, that's what we're looking for, and that's why guys – like Bosa, Miles Garrett, Chase Young, Khalil Mack. That's why when those dudes do come along, they're pretty special players and pretty special prospects. All right. Dominic the Blind says If Tom Brady goes to the Titans, do you see them then drafting a quarterback in the first round? So, no, I don't, Dominic. I think if, if Tom Brady somehow went to the Titans, I don't think they would draft a quarterback. I think they would see that as, yo, we got two years to win a Super Bowl. Let's do this. You know, we, we might have to draft a right tackle to replace Jack Conklin. You might have to go with the tight end because we know how much Brady loves the tight end position. And I, and I know they have some young guys there. And then you still have needs on defense at you know at filling out that side of the ball. But I think the Titans have one of the best rosters in football. We'll see what happens with Derrick Henry and Jack Conklin. But I actually really like that roster. Logan Ryan's also a free agent who I think he had like a Pro Bowl year and just got slept on. So they have some moves that, that they have to make to keep some of this group together. And you've heard Mike Vrabel and Kenny Vicaro on this show talk about the you know how that's gonna go. Vrabel said yesterday it's unlikely they can keep the top three free agents on this team together so if Brady goes there I think we would see that 29th pick get used to to fill in some other spots you know whether it be you know a, another pass rusher get a big pass rusher opposite Harold Landry or someone to, to help protect whoever the quarterback is going to be next year but uh, I think I personally man, I think Brady's back in New England next year I, I think he is still Patriot I just can't see him leaving. Maybe I'm just living in like a a biased world right now. Uh, Tyler Warden asked us, guys, rank Josh Allen the quarterback, Jordan Love and Jacob Eason in terms of pre-draft grades and in terms of ceilings. So for me, it would be Josh Allen. I am and was a Josh Allen fan, and I would actually put it in that order. Josh Allen, Jordan Love, Jacob Eason. I think with Jacob Eason, my biggest concerns are decision-making and the way that he struggled against good defenses. With Jordan Love, I mean, it's also decision-making, to be honest, guy through 17 picks this past year. But it's you know getting him with better levels of competition around him, a good offensive line, good receivers, getting him back to what he was in 2018 under Matt Wells. I think that's the key. And, and when we talk about prospects, I mean, it's all about, and I'm glad he used the term ceilings. It is all about that. I mean, this is like evaluating a company and saying, I want to buy stock in that company because I, I think they're going places. And that's what we're doing with prospects is you have all the keys. You have the characteristics to be really good but there's always an the unknown factor and so I think with each each of these guys you know especially Jordan Love and Jacob Easton we've never seen them play in the NFL there's always a bust factor with those guys I think Jordan Love and Jacob Eason at the quarterback spot like those are the two guys where if you're drafting them in the first round you're a little bit worried about that bust factor uh, when it comes to the way that they play quarterback they're both a little bit reckless neither player has been like fantastic in college. So those are the things that you worry about. I mean, this isn't a Patrick Mahomes situation where we're overthinking a guy who was fantastic in college, had no one around him, didn't win a ton of ball games, but you knew his traits were amazing, and we all overthought it because he'd never taken a snap from center, and he played in Cliff Keegan Texas Tech offense, which is basically the NFL now. Uh, let's do one more question here from our guy, Patrick Chamberlain. How realistic of a scenario is it the possibility of the Jags trading both their first rounders, that's number nine and number 20, to move up to pick three or four to draft Jeff Akuda as their Jalen Ramsey replacement? Pat, I don't think it's crazy, but I think it would be reckless to do that because it's it, it, irresponsible to trade 9 and 20 for a corner. It's a lot for a corner. And I like Jeff Akuda. That's a lot for a corner. I don't think you trade that. You trade that much for a quarterback or like Laramie Tunzel. You don't trade that much for a corner. So I think more likely, you know, we would see them at nine, look at guys like C.J. Henderson, see where they evaluate him at 20. Whoever your third corner in this class is, there's a lot of conversation about that. Who who is the third corner, you know, after Akuda and I think even for some people, it's okay after C.J. Henderson. For me, it's Jeff Gladney. At 20, he'd be a little bit of a reach. So I think for Jacksonville, the good news is when it comes back around to them, you know, they had pick nine and they pick 20. When it comes back around, what can they get in this class at 42? Can you get Christian Fulton there? Can you get uh, Stanford Samuels there? There's going to be corners in round two that to be good players at 42. I mean, hell, Jalen Johnson might be there. A.J. Terrell might be there. So there's good corners that could be there. On top of Christian Fulton. So I think 42 might be your sweet spot if you're a Jags fan. Looking for that corner spot to replace Jalen Ramsey. All right, guys. That is our show. Our last show from Indy without Connor. Connor will be here tomorrow. Mello will be here Friday. Of course, we have our event Saturday, 2 o'clock at 2D Brewing Company. It's free. It's open to the public. You just got to be 21 to come in. Joey Molinaro is going to join us. We're going to be doing... All kinds of draft talk. I know he's going to be doing impersonations. It's going to be fantastic. I actually got a chance to meet him earlier this week. I'm really excited to sit down and hang out with him. So if you're in the indie area, if you're here covering the Combine, please come say hi. It's going to be a good time. So we'll see you guys Saturday at 2 o'clock. Thanks again to Matt Bowen for the awesome interview, and we'll talk to you guys tomorrow.